Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night cheer. Welcome Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome Scranton. Welcome Flatbush. Um, Atlanta, I'm shocked to see my competition didn't uh, rival me tonight. Aha, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> Lovely. This week's cheer is, of course, the Lanishmas, Elisa Shlamis. Next Tuesday, Kaddish is completed. We're not going to say Kaddish for her any longer. Eleven months have gone by. Um, should be a good Tibet for everybody. This Shabbos is Pashas Yisroi. Big, big Shabbos, big Shabbos. Matan Tera, Kabbalah Satera. What more can we ask for? Um, and of course the Shabbos is welcoming all the Shluchas here. All the emissaries' wives. The wives of the emissaries. Um, as they come in to commemorate, to rejuvenate, etc., in honor of Chav Be Shvat, the yard site of the Rebetzin Chayamushka, on Monday, starting Sunday evening. Rebetzin Chayamushka has many stories of her own, although she was very, very discreet. She saw to it. People did not know who she was, really. She tried to play things down she actually was extremely extremely intelligent well read woman she worked in the library here in New York Um, she was a main contributor to the Talks and Tales publication the weekly publication a monthly publication sorry distributed to children um, in both English and Yiddish I'm sure other languages have added since. Talks and Tales you can now buy in a full set in hardcovered. It's quite a a set. Say about 15 books, maybe more. Her main article that she would produce on a monthly basis in Nature's Wonderland Many, many different stories of the Rebetzin. The one that stands out the most is told by Chesed Halberstam. Um, he has a lot of stories to tell about her. One that he was driving her, he used to drive her many places, wherever she wanted to go. And they were driving out, out of the city, I guess, for fresh air. As they were driving... She observed a very weird sight, an odd sight. There was a uh, apparently police presence outside a home, and there was a family, husband, wife, and the children, and they were standing outside the home as well. There was a moving truck. It didn't look very conducive. It didn't look very good. 
as they passed by. The Rebetzin asked Chesed to stop and to go back and find out what's going on over there. And um, he went over and he found out the family was being evicted from their home. God forbid anybody should ever have such a situation. They were being evicted from their home. Lack of payment. The Rebetzin had no idea who these people are. never saw them before. She asked us to go back and find out how much we're talking about. And he came back and he told her the amount that was owed. Immediately the Rebetzin wrote a check. Told him to go over there, pay it, and see to it the family is allowed back in their home. I don't believe the family ever knew who she was. I don't believe the family ever knew about the story, who the uh, miraculous woman was that just came by and just saved them out of the sky. She didn't do it for that. She didn't do it for a bouquet of flowers, for a box of chocolates. This was her nature, to always help, inspire, family once came to the Rebetzin's house to visit and one of the children asked where was any of the kinder? where are the children the Rebetzin smiled and told the child the kinder are in 770 the children are in 770 the Rebetzin considered all the chsidim her children but she also was very witty she also didn't stand for much nonsense. In one such way, she was standing once with a bucker looking out a window, 770, I guess her sister's apartment, or I don't know which one, I can't say which one it was. I don't recall if someone, I heard the story, they said which window it was. And she saw the bucker had very, very long hair. They just didn't take haircuts. It was a shtick in the olden days, because the Rebbe wouldn't take haircuts very often. I guess had a lack of time. And I guess the mimush, as they would call them, the boys that wanted to uh, mimic the Rebbe, or live the Rebbe, the Rebbe's footsteps, Kilu, also didn't take haircuts until the Rebbe took one. So, she asked the Bacham, why did the Bacham walk around like this? So he said to her, because the Rebbe hasn't taken a haircut. So they didn't take a haircut. She says, Halavai, they should smile to another Jew, like my husband smiles to another Jew. Never mind imitate his haircut uh, routine. And this is something that the Rebbe was very, very adamant about, that Chassidim, being the children of the Rebbe and the Rebbe, follow in the footsteps of the Rebbe, the Rebbe's lesson, life lessons, and live, emanate, Avas Yisrael, love of a fellow Jew, to a level and in a way that we ourselves don't understand how we get there. Selfless. Doing actual obviously selflessly. The 
Let's turn a little bit of focus on the Parsha. Matan Torah. So much, so much goes down in Matan Torah. The Jews arrive in Har Sinai. They arrive to Har Sinai. And they stay there for several days. They're given instructions. And then the Torah is given to them. In a nutshell, that's what happened. They left Egypt. The miracle of the splitting of the Red Sea. The next major event is they got to Matantera, they got to Harsinai, and there they received the Torah. Before we go into different lofty stories and explanations, A word that I, I just always intrigues me tremendously in the Parsha, and uh, in case you haven't heard it, you know, listen to archives, and you want to repeat a nice word by the table. Parsha begins, Vayishma Yisra, Yisra heard, Esa Shir Osa Hashem Lisa, what the Almighty did to the Jews and to Moshe. Now, between the middle post, Moshe was part of the Jews. Moshe was in Egypt. Moshe was not in the servitude. He was not a slave in Egypt, granted. But he was part of the nation. So, logistically, the wording is superfluous. Yisrael heard what the Almighty did to Yisrael. Why? And he did to Moshe as well. Let us continue the Pasuk. So Yisrael heard what was done. And what does he do? Vayikach Yisrael Tzipora Eishas Moshe Yisrael takes Tzipora and the two sons and brings them to Moshe and look at the wording of the Torah, Achar Shiluchecho, after sending her away. And Rashi cites a story here. What was he sending her? When did he send her away? When Moshe was told to go by the Almighty to Egypt to free the Jews, Torah tells us he took the donkey. He put, put his wife and children on the donkey, took the packages, and they started going. What the Torah omits at that point to tell us is, Aaron, Moshe's brother, meets them. And Moshe says, the Almighty gave a message, is sending a message, the Jews have to be freed. Aaron turns to Moshe and says, Beautiful. Let's go free the Jews. 
Then he turns to his sister-in-law and his nephews and said, what are you doing here? Don't we have enough problems in Egypt? We need more? Rashi describes this whole story. <coughs> On what we have already is a problem. Why do we need more? And therefore Aaron sends back to Pura. Now the question of course arises when the original Apostolic says the story of Moshe coming down to Egypt and meeting his brother Aaron we know that he took Zipporah with the children then the Apostolic continues in Bay that Moshe and Aaron continue the trip so the immediate question that begs to ask here is what happened to Zipporah? And Rashi does not explain it there. Rashi only waits until now, where it says, Now Rashi explains to us how she was sent away. Well, in essence, it wouldn't fit in the previous passage, because the previous when the story actually happens, and the Torah says that only Aaron and Moshe went, it doesn't, it doesn't say they travel. It says they spoke to, uh, to Parai. So the, uh, the stress in that Pasuk was the fact that they spoke to Parai. It was not the fact that Zipporah was not with them any longer. And therefore the Benchomish the Mikra would not ask that question. The child would not ask the question, what happened to Zipporah? Only now, when the Torah mentions the words, she was sent away, does Rashi explain to the child who's learning the Chumash, the Benchomish the Mikra, when was she sent away? And he tells the story. Let us go a little deeper into the story. Tzipporah was no fool. Tzipporah was married to Moshe Rabbeinu and she had his children. She had to be something special. As we spoke to Ebbetson, was somebody special. So, you think Zipporah took this lying down? No. Zipporah is told, go back to your house. And Moshe is coming to Egypt. Zipporah said to Moshe, yeah, 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 that it's not going down. It's not happening. You're going to leave me home. You're going to go to Egypt and disappear on me. And I'm going to remain in Aguna. An abandoned wife. I will be all alone. What happens, says Sephora to Moshe, if Parai tells you, I'll let the people go, but you stay here in prison. You stay in rotten prison in Egypt, and I will let the Jews go. Would you say no to that? Of course not. Is there anything that you wouldn't do for the Jews to get them out? No. So I'm going to end up abandoned? No, no, no. You want me to go? And you want to go to Egypt? Give me a get. So I'm free. If I have to marry somebody else, I'll marry, be able to marry. Moshe heard her out and gave her a get. At the time, 
Moshe's status in the Jewish nation was he was a Kohen. And a Kohen would not be able to remarry his divorcee, his divorced wife. A Kohen can't marry a divorcee. No. So she went back, Nebuch. She's divorced now and she can't go back to Moshe. Moshe refuses to talk. And the Almighty tells Moshe, you know what? I'm downgrading you. Aaron is going to be the Kohen and you're going to become a Levi. Moshe became a Levi. What happened now that he's a Levi? He can remarry his wife. As a Kohen, he couldn't. Tells us the Tera. Vayishma Yisra. Yisra heard what the Almighty did to Moshe, which was make him a Levi. So immediately the first thing he does is bring the wife and the children. Achar Shiluchel. Shiluchel is Lashon of a get. The get is a person with Sholach as Isha. You send away your wife. After he gave her a get, but now he could take her back because he was a levy. And therefore, the first thing Yosef does is bring back the wife. So this is a very, very intriguing vart. Beautiful for a Shabbos table. And therefore, I feel that although I've said it many times, I felt the need to repeat it. Now, okay, you sit down there. Good, because you're here for a shir, and i got something very important to tell you. What's that? Sure. Important message for you today. Especially for you. <laughs> no, I was reading it, and I said, oh, this is powerful. You're going to have to hear this. And I won't start the shir with this, so I wait till you come. Torah tells us that the Ten Commandments are given. Started now. One of the Ten Commandments, Kabed, Wait a minute, I'll read it. Don't get so impatient. Because he was from that Shevet, Shevet Levi. So Shevet Levi were all Kohanim originally. Only afterwards there was a division. When Aaron became the Kohen, then all his generation became Kohanim. So we have in the Aseris Adibris Kabe de Savicha Vesimecha. Honor your mother and your father. Such a beautiful, beautiful mitzvah. Such a beautiful commandment. Who doesn't want to honor their mother and father? Oi. <laughs> it should be, it's called easier said than done. Tells us the Rambam. Not the Rambam. Don't, not to get confused. The Rambam. Aseres Hadibris, the Ten Commandments, Chamisha, Bechovid Habeirei, Bechamisha, the Tevis Adam. Five were to honor the, the Creator, and five for the person. 
for honoring your father, Kavid Hakel, is honoring of God. For an honor of the Almighty, of the Creator, were we commanded to honor our Father. Hamishtatev biyitzira, who took part in your creation. Venisha and therefore remains chamisha la'odam b'tzarchei v'tevasei. Five other ones are for the people between themselves and for their own good. From the words of the Ramban we understand that the mitzvah, the commandment, kibbut av ve'em kavit zivichosimecho, is for things that have to do between the person and God. Not between a person and a friend, obviously, because you're honoring your parents, not your friend. But actually, these commandments are the commandments that are connected between the person and God. Therefore, amongst the Aseris Adibus, Ten Commandments, the first five are between the person and the Almighty, and the next five are between the person and the fellow person. Let's understand in depth what the Ramban is telling us. Worldly matters, the truth is, the Almighty runs the world. Try and do what you want, the Almighty runs the world. Not only runs the world with Zonesailam Kula, he feeds the entire world. But still in all, many things look like they happen naturally. Many things in life look like they happen according to nature, including paying taxes. It's a natural thing to pay taxes. Yeah, not quite. So it looks, therefore, that when the person does something, since this act looks natural, it looks like the person actually did it. When it comes to the birth of a child, Chazal tell us, there are three partners, Gimel, Shutvin, Hein, Ba'odam. Three partners and a person. The mother, the father, and the Almighty. And therefore, when a person honors their mother and their father, Omar HaKadosh Baruch the Almighty says, I consider it as if I dwelled amongst them and they honored me. If you're keeping score at home, this is Tractate Kedushin, Daf Lamid, beginning of Ahmed Bez. Actually, the end of Ahmed Bez. Which means to say, it's not the person that brings a child into the world. Only when the shutvis, only when the partnership of the third partner is involved, which is the revelation of the Almighty, and therefore he is, as Gemara, if you're keeping track and score at home, in Nida, Lamed Aleph, Lamed Aleph says, Shenaysen Beiruach Neshama. 
The Almighty gives a spirit and a soul. More so. The concept of kibud av aim. The fact that the mother and father exist was also because the Almighty was totally involved. And the Almighty was revealed within them. As we know, that the kayach of the birth of the creations is not because of their own doing. The people can say, I did, I did this, I did yes. It has nothing to do. This is only because of the kayak ain't safe and the bleak wool of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. For the creators themselves, the creations themselves, are all within boundaries. They all have boundaries to them. And therefore it's not possible for them to say that they were totally involved in the birth of this child. And it's only because of the Kayach of Ein Seif of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he is dis- determined that this body should, thank you, this body and the person should come to Kayach HaMafti And we see actually, there are many people that are healthy, that have everything going for them. The epitome of health. They lack nothing. Every organ, every blood test, every cholesterol level, every sugar, everything is perfect. Their blood pressure is perfect. But still in all, they cannot become, they cannot have a pregnancy. Their wives do not become pregnant. Their wife or the woman doesn't become pregnant. It's as healthy as she is. Because the birth has nothing to do with nature itself. It has to do with what the Almighty brings down that should be a birth. Now we can start an understanding. This is the deep explanation why the Ramban says, Kabe de Savicha v'yasimecha is Kavid HaKel. That this has to do with honoring the Almighty, because the Almighty is the Mishtatif in the Yitzira. The Almighty is the participant in this creation of this child. And only in the Kayach that the Almighty gives within the parents can a child come to fruition. So therefore, Kabid is av aim, kibud av aim, not only because of them themselves, but because what they represent, what they stand for, which is the Almighty's creation. This is the reason that kibud av aim is the main mitzvah that has to do between the person and the Almighty, because every union of covet here is only because of the Kayach of Ein Seif Baruch Hu. And this comes into the believable, into the never, into the unboundaries. When a child comes into fruition, a child is, is born, when a child is brought into the world through the mother and the father, 
For we say that the kibud that the person is mechabit, the father, is the kibud that the person gives to the Almighty, and therefore is a mitzvah connecting the person and God. There were two brothers, very famous brothers. One was Abzusha, one was Elimelech. They didn't live in the same town, unfortunately. Well, maybe fortunately, maybe unfortunately. Zusha was in Anapoli and Elimelech was in Lezhensk. They were two brothers. They were very big, big, big tzaddikim. Zusha Anapoli had a chosid that was extremely wealthy. His wealth he amassed from one month's work. He worked one month a year. The rest of the year he sat learned. But he amassed in this month's work enough to keep him a whole year. And that was in Leipzig. Leipzig was a fair, a town that had a fair every year, once a year. He would travel to Leipzig with his goods, with his diamonds, with whatever he had. Very, very expensive merchandise always. He wheeled and dealed, did very well for himself always, of course, with the blessing of Reb Zusha before he went. And Baruch Hashem was able to live off this a whole year comfortably. But each time before he went, he went for a bracha by Reb Zusha to get a bracha before he went. This one particular year he comes in and Reb Zusha says to him, Nah. Don't go. He was stunned. He was stunned. Don't go. How am I going to live all year? Don't go. But the musician didn't look up again. He realized he had nothing else to tell him. The poor fellow backs out of the room, comes home shell-shocked, tells his wife what happened. The Rebbe said not to go. She says, I live how? What are we going to eat? Maybe you sell your wares here in, the, in the Anapoli and, gonna, and you get rich from that. Are you crazy? How can you not go? Anyway, he was not going to hear anything that she says because the Rebbe said no. This went back and forth. She ran to her brothers, to his brothers, she got the whole family involved. For covers me, he was not going to budge. The Rebbe said, no, there's no. Finally, she came up with an idea, a plan from plan land. She says, listen, Ibzusha is a great tzaddik. His brother, Elimelech Elizhansky, is also a great tzaddik. And it's not far away. Why don't you go to his brother? Tell him the story. Tell him, Takazusha said not to go. But uh, you're concerned about your livelihood for the life. Now, he was extremely embarrassed. How could he doubt his Rebbe or override something the Rebbe told him? But they were relentless. And he was very sure that if Zusha told him not to go, and the Melo was going to say not to go, 
So to put everybody's mind at ease, he went to Elimelech Lezhensky. And he told Elimelech Lezhensky the whole story, how Zusha said not to go. Elimelech looked and said, go. Yes, go. <laughs> now what? The only reason I came to Elimelech Lezhensky is I shouldn't go. Because my never told me not to go. I figured he'll reaffirm it and leave everybody leave me alone and now he tells me to go. So obviously the Melchizedek saw this shock on the man's face. And the Melchizedek told him, Aren't you a moil? He says, yeah. Aren't you a mumcha, an expert moil? He says, yes I am. Not that he knew how the Melchizedek knew this, but he knew it. And the Melchizedek told him, I want to show you something. There's a special formula. Sometimes by a bris, the child is a hemophiliac. Doesn't stop bleeding. Can't, can't stop bleeding. And I'll show you a special formula. I'll teach you exactly how to make it to make the child stop bleeding. And he taught him and he taught him and he taught him and he said, until the guy, until the male knew it by heart, he wouldn't let him go. When he saw the male was clear what he had to tell him, he said, okay. But he still saw the baffled befuddlement, the baffledness of the, of the guy's face that the Mizusha said so adamantly not to go and he's telling him adamantly to go. He had to ask, Vasidas, my hi, why? So Melech told him, my brother Zusha sees you until the river, I see you past the river. How mystical is that? Anyway, he was very, very excited, he came running home, packed the bags, and he's off to Leipzig. Needless to say, you got to travel, you got to travel by boat. To journey to Germany. On the boat, as the boat is going, suddenly it hits some kind of rock. Something hit the boat and sunk the boat on the spot. Our chassid miraculously grabbed onto a plank of something floating and stayed afloat. The current was very strong, though and pulled practically all his clothes off of him, with all his wares and all his money and everything. No. He doesn't know how many hours later it was until he finally came to shore, and he saw a house, and he staggered to the house, very, very, (laughs) not very well dressed, shall we say, and he knocks on the door, it was a yid, and he faints. The last thing he remembers is seeing the mezuzah on the door. He wakes up and he sees the chassidah sitting over him, very concerned. And he asks him what happened, and he tells him the whole story, how the boat capsized. And the violet tells the story that he now realized Elimelech Lezhensk said that he knows he sees until the river and I see after the river. 
that the Zushan Apoli said he should only go, he should not go, and the Melech Hazan said he should go. Zushan Apoli knew that God forbid he would drown in the water, and the Melech saw he wouldn't drown. The guy says to him, "You know what? Tell me something. You were in Anapol. You were in, in measure in Nizhensk. Uh, Any good moil in there? I need an expert moil. My height. What's the problem? So I had five. Was blessed with five sons. Unfortunately, one of the sons, the first two, died by Bismillah." They couldn't stop the bleeding. So he lost his first two sons. And the Allah is, if such thing happens, you cannot mala the rest of the sons. You can't give a bris to the rest of the sons. So he has now three boys that are Nabakhnish Gemal, no, no bris. He needs a mumcha, an expert male, to deal with this. And to see to it, to give my children get a bris. And that, of course, the bleeding is stopped. Well, of course, the chassid turns to him and says, well, I got news for you. In Lezhensk and in uh, Anapol, I am an expert male. You're an expert male? He says, yeah. Oh! Tzuk And I also, now he remembered Elimelech Lezhensk teaching him, I also know how to stop the bleeding. Oh! Asimchen Shtetl, the next day, he gave a bris to the first one, to the third son, and immediately he saw the bleeding was not stopping, he poured this, whatever Elimelech taught him, onto the bris, and the bleeding stopped. Asimchen Gedela. And so the next day was set aside, time for the other two to have a bris, and then too he stopped the bleeding, and it turned out that this man was a very, very, very wealthy man. And he asked him whatever he thought he was going to earn this year in Leipzig. And we told him how much he thought he was going to earn in Leipzig. He gave him much, much more. And the Chassid returned home with a substantial amount of money, more than he thought he would have made in Leipzig. Nature dictates as we just said, that a man goes to Leipzig, the the man could earn a livelihood for a year. He goes to Leipzig, he goes to the market, he goes to the fair, no reason he shouldn't earn enough to support the family for the year. He works jolly hard, why not? Zachmundir No. Nothing is by chance. Nothing is by nature. It's God's intervention that makes it happen. And this is exactly what happens here. This fellow went to the Rebbe and the Rebbe told him, no, according to God's intervention in this case, you're not going to make it in the business in Leipzig. Because what's going to happen in the river, said Abzusha. Elimelech, on the other hand, saw what's going to happen after the river. 
and saw that this male needs to do the brisen, and therefore taught him the formula how to stop the bleeding. Mm-hmm. And the chassid was able to do his bidding. But nothing was not supernatural. Nothing was not terechnisi, miraculous, shown to us that we are not in control. You know, ask any child. I learned anything about Tera. Where was the Tera given? And they'll tell you Mount Sinai. <laughs> you know, you have these lunatics today that uh, like to get things on mass media, YouTube and things like this. And they go out and they interview people on the weirdest, weirdest things. And they show you how ignorant the masses are. They, they do things that literally, it, it's not humanly possible for people to be so stupid. But yet, it's, it's real. It's not, not made up. So this lunatic once went around and he said to people, he interviews one person at a time. If Y-E-S spells yes, what's E-Y-E-S? And they were all going crazy, E-S and E and I. Nobody turned to our ophthalmologist over here and said eyes. E-Y-E-S is eyes. You got him? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he works in an optician, and the optician didn't know it. Okay. But this guy was interviewing people, and they're all going crazy. Anyway, recently, the last one that I that my kids showed me, he wanted to, he asked people, interviewed people, should we go to war over Mount Rushmore? Is, Mount, is the situation in Mount Rushmore merit a war and the people had no idea where Mount Rushmore was and they all figured it's in some foreign country the way he's asking it and they all had their opinion whether or not we should go to war in Mount Rushmore none of them knew finally, finally he gets one guy at the end that says, what are you crazy about Rushmore's here in America? <laughs> <laughs> but he interviews countless people, and they're all clueless as to what's going on. But if you ask a child, where was the Torah given? They know, Har Sinai. Has Mount Sinai. Everybody was given at Mount Sinai. Now, anyone who has any kind of Hebrew knowledge knows that Ahava Sisrael, loving a fellow Jew, Ahava is love, and hatred is sinna. Sinna is hate. <laughs> Sinai, although it's spelled with a samach, and sinna is with a sin, but Sinai and sinna have a very sa- very similar ring to them. 
And the Yimara, if you keep me score at home, on Masech the Shabbos, Peites, on the end, it's 89, at the end of the first Amud, the first side. The Yimara asks, My Har Sinai, what is this Har Sinai? And the Yimara answers, Har Sheyorda Sino Akumolov. A mountain which went down, hatred to the nations that went against it. Wow. How is it possible that the Almighty, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is Teva HaToiv Lehetiv, to the best of everything, would tie in the giving of the Torah, the most precious commodity that He has, and tie it in with hatred. Not only tie it in with hatred, but it only, the stipulation comes about through hatred. Where does hatred come in? It's the total opposite of Teva Chesed. This implies, this is a hint to the main source, the main way of being able to get the Torah. The Torah was given in Midbar Sinai, in a desert. A place where nobody lives. Nothing lives actually. There's no vegetation. There's no growth. There's nothing going on. There's also no distractions. When you're in a desert, (laughs) when you're in a city, and you're at your table, or at your desk, you have today, unfortunately, this stupid smartphone that distracts you on a constant basis. It's buzzing, it's zizzing, it's beeping, it's a text, it's an email, it's a WhatsApp, it's a Facebook, it's a tweet, it's a... The list is endless. It's a distraction. A wonderful custom today considered as a wonderful custom believe it or not is the people that sit down to a dinner table with a family no one's allowed to bring your phone to the table wow that's so family oriented how far have we stooped we need to implement such things in order to keep family quality time. In the desert you got no such problem. There's no distractions. An occasional snake and scorpion maybe. person who wants to sit and learn Taylor needs to do so with no distractions. And this is where we have this very hint. This is where it's implied. A person needs to totally wipe himself clean from any distractions to a level of midbar, of a desert. But it needs to be midbar Sinai. Sinai, the lotion of Sina, hatred. When a person lives, learns Teda, not enough that he should wipe his mind clean from all distractions, in order to learn Teda completely, the person not only should not be distracted, but should have a hatred 
to all these distractions that distract him. Should not want to affiliate, associate himself with these distractions, kiyuza, on the furthest level. This is perhaps also how we explain the Medish. It says, Kol mi kimidbar hefker. Anyone who doesn't make himself like a desert, a desolate desert, in Yachal cannot acquire the Chachma and the Tera. And the Kachnema, therefore, it says, Bemidbar Sinai, that a person has the obligation to be mafkir, to nullify, to make not anything that goes on, any worldly matters in order that it should not disturb him from learning Tera. Sinai, the mountain, Tera tells us, Medish tells us, Chazal tells us, Ha-Sinai, Pasuk says, chapter 19, verse 18, Ha-Sinai was in flames, smokes, for the Almighty came down in fire onto the mountain. Traffic jams. You're not going to straighten it out. People park awkwardly. People can't get through. Or people stop to pick somebody up and they don't care that they can't pull over. So we get a music, a musical uh, orchestra. The Alshech asks, Har Sinai went up in flames? Really? There's no trees. There's no wood. There's nothing there. It's in desert. It's desolate. What went up in smoke? Simple explanation. This is why it says in the Pasuk, Meisha, what was Meisha? Benagis Hatsain, he was a shepherd. And brought them El Har Alekim to the mountain of God. How does Rashi explain this? This is back chapter 3, verse 1 in Shemais. Rashi explains Shemaisha Hiniges Hatsain the Mokim Zeh Kidesh Shiraosham. Moshe led the sheep to this place. And we find also. Chain Matzinu Shenitztavu Bnei Yisrael commanded the Jews Gamatzein vehabakar al Yiru al Mulaharahu the Tzayin the Bakar everything the sheep the, the cattle should not come forth to, close to this to the mountain. Now, if there was no Tzmechim, nothing growing in Har Sinai. How did the Tzayin come to pasture there? And we find also the snare was in Har Sinai, the burning bush. So there was no other snare. So therefore we have to understand 
What was Ashan Kulaish? For although the Midbar, although it was a desert, still in all the Psukim tell us something grew there. Now the Medish tells the Chazal tell us that actually because of Matanteda things grew and things vegetation came up, so the mountain should be beautiful. There issue many, many issues with the whole Matanteda scene with what went down on Mount Taylor. First thing that we need to very, very importantly make sure we get across today is the famous Pasuk Shemais chapter 19 verse 2 Yudtes Pasuk Beis Vayisu merfidim vayavayu midvasinai they journeyed from Rafidim and they arrived in Midbar Sinai. Vayisu is plural. Vayavoyu, plural. Vayachanu ba Midbar. And they encamped in the Midbar. Vayachanu is plural. Then the Pasik says, Vayichan sham Yisrael negedahor. And there Yisrael encamped opposite the mountain. Vayichan is singular. Every word in the Pasuk talks plural and all of a sudden singular. The encampment of the Jews by Mount Sinai, by Hasinai, was singular. Rashi explains right away. He understands the Mechama Shemikra is not going to get this. And Rashi explains on the spot, they camped there as one man with one heart. What's Vayichan singular? The Jewish nation was now like one man with one heart. Harmoniously, unanimously, and they were readying themselves for the reading of the Torah, receiving of the Torah. Beautiful. Going back a little bit into chapter 14, Rashi has a similar comment, also in interpretation of such a verse. There it says, Umitzrayim. And, the, and Egypt advanced, was advancing upon behind them. Not Mitzrayim, not plural. Mitzrayim, singular. Sorry. Neseya is singular. Why? Describe the thousands of Egyptians that were now chasing the Yidin after they left Egypt. There were 600 chariots, but there were apparently thousands. And Rashi also explains, the Egyptians were united with one heart as one man. Remember when it came to Mount Taylor, it says one man and one heart. Here Rashi writes, one heart, one man.
why the change of sequence of one man, one heart. So the obvious difference between the two unities that took place, Egyptians as a whole, the nation, <laughs> how does a, I need a wording for it, I can't remember it, when I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the nation for which it stands, the creation was, there's something undivisible or something of it at the end or something, no? I can't hear you. You'll have to text it in. Okay, good. We're getting the text from Atlanta. He's got Oh, please, invisible. Yeah, invisible. Yeah. One nation, Anyway, well, man, it's coming through. Here we go. No, not republic. Something indivisible or something. Whatever. Okay, it's irrelevant. The Egyptians are far from it. You had the average Egyptians. Then you had the, the sorcerers, you had those who feared God, those who didn't fear God. What united all these Egyptians? All the different types, what united them? Their, their hatred to the Jews. The common um, animosity against the Jews, oh, this became their common denominator. This brought them all together. With one heart. And therefore, was like one man. Indivisible. That's the way. Thank you. That's what everybody else said. They all said it here. Okay, they all get two points. Give them all a... Uh, Gold star. A Laffy Taffy when they go out. Um, what was the word? Turkish Taffy? What was it called? The candy? Yes, okay. Turkish Taffy, yes. Okay. Therefore, it starts one heart and one man. By the Jews, on the other hand, it wasn't just the uniform action that brought them together. It was the Jewish oneness, the one of the entire nation. And therefore, the Lechatchila were like one man, and now, too, they were like one heart. Because ultimately, on the other journeys that they had, every time they came places, there was always some kind of a rift of some sort. Here, there was no rift whatsoever. Here, the one man, the nation, was like one heart. Was all together in one opinion. And this is how the Jewish nation receives the Torah. And this is how the Jewish nation will greet this Shabbos, Mashiach, Zedgenu, Shabbat Shalom to all. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Lechayim.